0: Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan.
1: Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe Lundberg is uh, diametrically. No, Joe Lundberg isn't here. Oh, geez. Joe <laughs> McGranahan is directly opposed to me. Well, unless Joe-
2: you want me to start giving you the AccuWeather forecast. Joe Lundberg
1: agrees with me all the time. He's a smart, common sense guy. Joe McGranahan is here. And Chad Hirschberger wearing his Batman mask is on the other side of the glass. So we, we appreciate it.
3: got the key. Though.
1: Oh dear. Well, but you are always wearing a cape in our view, because we All think right. you're just a uh, super duper. So we do have a Th- guess. I guess that
2: means we think you're capable.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, no, I like that. Oh, that, that. Joe, that's the funniest brother. thing I've heard all day. <laughs> Joe, unmasked.
2: It's an early day. Keep Bad
1: keep humor. There. Terrible puns. All right. We do have a guest on the line, superintendent. <laughs>
3: oh, isn't no. that
1: funny?
2: Not anymore. We're um, having a lot of Mark, trouble wait, today.
3: Wait, 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 Mark. Let's, uh, Good morning. let's just start over Good morning. again. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to start over again. Thank you so much though, for the I chance, think we though, confused
2: Chad. Dr. DiRocco quite enough, don't you? <laughs> Why don't you introduce him? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're pleased to have back with us the Former superintendent of the Lewisburg School District, executive Doctor, director, now executive director of the State uh, Association of, of School, School Administrators, Administrators, Dr. Mark DiRocco. Mark, it's great to have you back on the air with us.
4: <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Nice to be with you again. I hope everything's doing well up in the Susquehanna Valley.
2: Well, we're
1: hanging in there. We're sorry to associate with this sinking ship, but uh, thank <laughs> you so much for calling in ah. anyway. I do appreciate it. Well, I, I, I'll just make it uh, simple. What should Schools do. You've been monitoring all this and the numbers and the the state's guidance. Uh, if you were back at Lewisburg, what would you would what would you do? What what should
2: schools do? Open or not?
4: Yeah, well, that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question, isn't it? Uh, and I think what schools really have to do is take a look at what's going on in their local region, uh, talk to their medical professionals. Uh, if they do have a Department of Health representative in their area, they s- certainly should be talking uh, with those uh, professionals They make the best decision, you know, based on the information that you have. So uh, I think it really determines where you're at geographically. It seems like um, you know, most of northern Pennsylvania uh, has pretty low incident rates of COVID-19. So, consequently, either some form of full in-person learning or some form of hybrid option where, you know, you have maybe half the kids coming in two days a week, the other half coming in two days a week, Uh, that seems to be a pretty viable option. And if you're in a high COVID transmission rate area, it probably makes sense to start your year off remotely and just monitor it, and if the transmission rate tamps down, then, you know slowly start to bring your kids back maybe with a, a blended type option and then hopefully go to full in-person learning somewhere down the road. Is there so a, it really is a region by region issue mm-hmm. based on transmission rates.
2: Is there a scale that helps administrators balance the need to keep kids safe from a disease versus their need to socialize and be together and learn in a group setting? How do, how do you work that out?
4: Well, there is no metric for that, unfortunately. What we do know is that the best thing for kids is to be in school full-time, in a collaborative environment where they can work with other kids, where they can develop great relationships with their teachers. Uh, But that collaborative environment requires them to be less than six feet apart. Um, You know, we know that's what the best learning is. And when kids can work together in small groups, when they can work on projects together learn together that's when you have the greatest levels of achievement so right now we can't do that and I will tell you that most people when they look at the three options that are out there for districts none of those options are really good options for learning Uh, if you're gonna bring all the kids back to your school district and keep them six feet apart and keep the desk in straight rows with all the desks facing in the same direction the teacher in the front of the room, well, that's what we did in the 1920s and the 1930s. You had, you know, 30, 40 kids sitting in bolted seats uh, with the teacher beating the blackboard with a piece of chalk all day, and we just know that's not, you know, the best instructional environment, but that's what, you know, we would be returning to by bringing all the kids back. You're going to have to keep them separated to the greatest extent possible, keep them faced in the same direction. Uh, and you're going to have to eliminate all those collaborative pieces of learning that we know are so effective. So that's really not a great option. Now, the other side of bringing all the kids back, even if you are keeping them socially distant, a you know, desk in a straight row and facing forward, um, at least they're in school and they're still developing relationships with their teachers teachers and staff can monitor the kids, uh, you know, for a variety of other issues, uh, you know, regarding home trauma, child abuse, you know, those sorts of things. So that's the positive side to that. Um, If you do hybrid option where you're only bringing, you know, half the kids in at a time, once again, you're still going to have to have that social distancing in the building. Uh, You're still going to be lacking those collaborative-type environments and you're only going to have kids in school for two, maybe three days a week at the most. And then if you go to remote learning, um, you know, it's just, that has proven to be a pretty inadequate form of instruction over a long-term basis. Uh, but that is your highest safety venue where you know, you're know you really going to limit exposure uh, to the virus. And if there is a breakout in the community, you're not going to have, you know, four or five, 600 kids in a building who could be spreading it to other students and other staff members. So all of these options have severe drawbacks to them. All of them have um, risk involved with them. Uh, And there is really no scale to weigh as to, is it better to take more risk by bringing everyone back on the health side or is it better to take more risk academically by keeping everyone home and you know, doing some kind of remote learning?
2: What about bouncing and so, back and forth? What, what, if you have, what if you start off one way and then say, all right, I can go this way, and then something comes up again and we got to go back this way? I mean, should they stick to whatever it is they do or should, should they be flexible? Can they be flexible without causing the kids more harm?
4: Well, I, I think there is an option for flexibility, but I don't think it's going to be on a uh, weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis. So uh, earlier this uh, week, or excuse me, yeah, Monday it was, I believe, the Department of Ed and Department of Health jointly put out the new dashboard um, tool that's available for school districts across the state. And basically what that is doing is taking a look at each county's transmission rate of the disease and then categorizing those those counties into categories of low transmission, moderate transmission, substantial transmission. And that dashboard is gonna be updated on a weekly basis, but it's going to actually look back over the previous two weeks of transmission. So let's say a district is opening up um, with full in-person learning. Uh, School officials will be able to monitor that dashboard on a weekly basis, and they can see if the transmission rate is ticking up or going down. If it starts to tick up to the point where now all of a sudden your county is in that um, substantial transmission rate, you might want to consider then switching to a hybrid option to try to slow transmission down or even going to a full remote option. But that's not the kind of decision you can make on a Monday and you know go into it on a Tuesday. Uh, there's a lot of logistics to all three of these instructional models. So I would think if a district says, look, it's just getting to the point where we're having a high transmission rate, we have kids who are getting sick, we have staff who are getting sick, we're gonna to switch to a hybrid learning model it may take them a week, two weeks, or three weeks to plan all the logistics to make that happen. So I don't see schools going in and out of various models you know, on a weekly basis. I would see that probably happening maybe once or twice a semester based on transmission rates and what they think is the, uh, the best option for them at that time.
1: Can online be
4: excellent? Well, we certainly know that some students thrive in online learning, and typically the, what we know there is you have someone at home, uh, be it a parent or a sibling or someone, who can spend some time with them, you know, monitor their, um, their learning process, uh, make sure they have some help with assignments and that sort of thing. So I certainly am not saying that online learning you know, doesn't work for everyone uh, the studies show it doesn't work as well as in-person learning um, so we certainly can improve upon online learning uh, and there are have been some you know school districts that have had their own online learning option for you know more than a decade now the cyber charter schools have been out there for almost two decades or a little more than two decades and so you certainly have some families uh, you know we have about hundred and forty thousand students across pennsylvania who are in the cyber charter schools and for one reason or another those parents and those students think it's working for them so, uh... it is certainly something that has continued to improve over time it just is not a replacement for in-person learning it, it just can't duplicate those interactions with uh, a live teacher in the classroom it can't duplicate those collaborative efforts uh, very well that I've talked about. Uh, but as the technology gets better, uh, we think you know, that will improve over time. But as of right now, uh, it is an option that typically doesn't serve students as well as in-person learning.
1: All right, well, two, two, two follow-up questions uh, emanate from that. One is, uh, what if you have a cyber uh, section or an online section for a short term? What if it isn't long term? So that's the first aspect. But the second one is, can we make online excellent? You know, can we fix those last improvements that we need to make? But the first, the first question is, what if you're just visiting online learning and you're going to get back to in person at some point?
4: yeah well I think that's what happened in the spring mark you know we all visited online learning the last three months of the school year and some districts were certainly better equipped to handle that than other districts were Uh, so yes that can be an effective short-term option and it's certainly better than not having any instruction at all so if because of this pandemic it may be an option that districts are forced to do for a period of time until we get a vaccine or some kind of therapeutic treatment that would get us back to some semblance of normalcy.
2: But In regards
4: to, can we, go ahead. No, I was just
2: gonna say, Dr. Dracco, you mentioned with respect to remote le- uh, cyber learning that it's been around for a few years. Has there been right. a whole lot of experience with remote, a combination of remote and in-person learning that we may see as the standard around the state this year?
4: Uh, I don't know if there's uh, a standard for it. Uh, everyone is approaching it uh, just a little differently. I-, I know many districts who have chosen to start their year with full online learning have done a lot of in servicing with their teachers, looking at platforms that um, you know, provide for learning uh, lessons and so forth online. So uh, I-, I think there's a lot of different options out there, and certainly there's a lot of vendors who you know think they have you know, the better product to help deliver instruction online. So uh, I I can't really tell you if there's one combination out there of, you know, learning platforms and teaching style online that works better than another. But in regard to making online learning excellent, um, I I think you can certainly make it more effective than it is now. Uh, But once again, you really have to work hard through the technology to set up those collaborative learning situations and what we call synchronous learning situations where the teacher is live with the kids for at least a period of time every day. But even at that, it's, it's just difficult to uh, develop that strong personal relationship with kids when you're you know, looking at them over Zoom on a computer.
2: What about the, the extracurricular things like chorus and band? Uh, I heard people say, well, you can't allow singing. They can't sing with masks on. You know, what do we do about things like that? You certainly can't mold that into online participation, can you?
4: Well, I would imagine you could do some form of, you know, choir-type um, you know, type lessons online. You certainly could do small ensembles. You could get three or four kids or... Five or six kids on a Zoom call and you know do something live together. Whether or not you can have, you know, as in Lewisburg, we had 150 kids in the course. I don't know. Not sure how you do that on Zoom, uh, but you know there could be ways to develop at least you know, your continuing voice lessons, instrumental lessons. Uh, you could have those small, small group interactions or one-on-one interactions with a music teacher online. Uh, the real issue gets to be, you know, how do you practice an orchestra online? How do you practice your, your full choir online? And certainly, you know, some of the latest medical research that I've been aware of in regard to singing, um, if you get a lot of kids together in a room uh, in, the, in person and have them singing, that actually projects, you know, the virus out even at a more forceful level than they would in a normal conversation so i don't know how you get you know 100 plus kids in a choir room and keep them six feet apart (laughs) or greater than six feet apart in order to sing and practice so that's going to be a huge issue for school districts to how to continue some of these co-curricular and curricular activities uh, in regard to music and sports and a variety of other things and and once again, that's the downside of the remote learning: is those activities are so critical in the development of students, and uh, such an important part of their school uh, program and environment. Uh, from you know, not only the learning but the social aspect of it. So it's it's really difficult to try to duplicate that uh, experience in an online setting. So it's. That's the tough part about uh, online learning and keeping everyone home.
1: Well, I'm talking to a former administrator and superintendent who attended probably, would you say, thousands of athletic events over your time in the district? It certainly had to
4: be close to that.
1: Yeah, certainly hundreds. So uh, you went to as many games as you could, particularly as superintendent during your tenure. Uh, what about athletics? How important is athletics? What happens if we lose those?
4: Well, they're, they're critical to the experience of students, you know, athletics as well as, you know, music programs and other co curricular activities. They teach so much more, as I said earlier, than just, you know, the music they're learning or the sports venue that they're learning about. It, you know, teaches you know, discipline and teamwork and leadership skills, you know, all those things we want our kids to have. You know, they learn just as much. Of those uh, important life skills and life traits in uh, those environments as they do in the classroom so yeah they're very very important Uh, and it's the difficult decision that districts are having to make now is whether or not they can continue with those sports venues and still keep everybody healthy so of course, uh, the governor came out last week, I believe it was last Thursday, and the Secretary of Health and the governor have recommended that there be no sports until January 1. The PIAA had a different view on that. They were disappointed with uh, the governor's recommendation. So they've just put everything on hold for two weeks. Um, my organization has a member on the PIAA board And so we get updates from her, you know, on a periodic basis as they're meeting. And I think they're trying to figure out what's the best thing to do here. Can they still go forward safely? And once again, I think that might end up being more of a regional issue because if you look at the northern part of the state where there are very low transmission rates, um, it looks like most of the districts are going to try full in-person learning for their kids to start the year off. You may be able to continue to have sports in that area of the state, whereas, you know, the southeast and the southwest and more populous areas where transmission rates are higher, uh, you know, they may have to put their athletics on hold. So, so it's going to i think that could be a, a regional issue more than a statewide issue well,
2: i don't want to bring politics into this but i i a certain part of it can't be a, You can't escape a certain part of it in this issue because the governor and the secretary of health, Dr. Levine, are liable to throw monkey wrenches into any plans you guys would have across the state if they feel some additional action is necessary. Has the governor, as far as you can tell, been coordinating with this and Dr. and Pedro Rivera, secretary of education? Have they been coordinating with your organization and others to do this correctly? And have they given you any kind of indication of what kind of changes they would make if they saw? certain things occur
4: Uh, we haven't gotten into that kind of specific detail with the Department of Health I would tell you under uh, Secretary Rivera uh, with the Department of Ed he was always very good about keeping the education associations informed of of various decisions and things they had uh, discussion points about Uh, but as we moved further and further into the pandemic we really started to move away from educational uh, discussions and issues and more into public health discussions and issues. So really, it's the Department of Health is really in the lead at this point, as far as you know, things about whether or not to open schools, whether or not to have sports and extracurricular activities. It's really boiling down to a public health decision as opposed to a Department of Education decision. So uh, we did have a conference call about a week ago, week and a half ago, uh, with Secretary Levine, Secretary Rivera, but I gotta tell you, most of the questions were uh, really uh, dealing with public health and uh, Secretary Levine. So uh, I can't say that we've been in contact with them uh, as much as we have been with the Department of Ed, just because we typically didn't have a very uh, you know, um, normal relationship with them or uh, a periodic relationship with them because, you know, typically we're just dealing with educational issues and, you know, legislation on the Hill that deals with education. So uh, over the last six months, it's uh, we've, you know, moved more over to questions with the Department of Health. So there hasn't been a normal uh, communication platform between the ed agencies and the Department of Health. And we've tried to develop that in uh, recent months.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for all this important uh, information. Anything critical you want to tell us? Maybe I didn't ask you.
4: Well, I, I think uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, that is, you know, our, right now our school superintendents and building principals, uh, staff members, and, and school board members all really have difficult decisions ahead of them And I think this is going to be a very challenging school year until we find a vaccine. And so I know there are lots of points of views out there. Uh, Joe said there's, you know, there's some political points of views out there about whether or not schools should open and sports should be played and so forth. But I really would ask all school stakeholders to truly understand the tremendous pressure and anxiety and frustration that all your school leaders are facing right now, and try to be as supportive of them as possible.
1: All right. Well, thank right. you so much for your time and yes. your help and thank your you, information. Thank you, Dr. Uh, we'll, we'll check back in. Yeah, super valuable answer, so we really appreciate that. I hope parents were listening, and particularly to that last part where <laughs> a little bit of understanding might go a long way, and maybe most parents are doing that anyway, but uh, we just appreciate that. Thank you so much, Dr. DeRocco. Thank, thank, thank you. you.
4: All right. You're most welcome. Take care, guys.
1: You too. appreciate that. Of course, I call him superintendent. Superintendent for 20 years at uh, the Lewisburg Area School District, Dr. Mark Durocco, Executive Director of Pennsylvania Association of School Administrators. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, uh, Mark here, Mr. Chad Hershberger is on the other side of the glass doing a fabulous job wearing his Batman mask. But we know who he is, so we appreciate him.
2: And I'm over here too. All right, Joe's here. Well, yeah, you're always <laughs> you keep forgetting here. Forgetting to mention, it, yeah. you're I'm, I'm an afterthought here. to you. I realize that. What Big night? doings yesterday with Joe Biden coming out of his basement, out of hibernation long enough to pick a vice presidential candidate. So we should maybe touch on that in the next hour. Does she have the main qualification you require in a female for public office? Lovely. Well, I think what she required, what he required, was a black female. Whether or not she is the best choice overall for vice president that Joe could pick, I don't know, but I think she's the best lady of color, woman of color, that he could have picked. Is she lovely? She's an attractive woman, yes. Okay, good. All right, well, perfect. Joe required
1: <laughs> women in office to be lovely. This is WDK OK Sun Thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise. We're almost halfway through the month of August. Tick tock, tick tock. Time is marching on, but we thank you for joining us. It is, uh, well, we are halfway through the week of August 10th. It is the 12th day of August, 2020. So thank you so much for joining us. Joe McGranahan is across from us. I keep uh, forgetting to give him a proper introduction, but he is. I don't need the introduction. Just remember that I'm here. Just remember (laughs) you. Okay. I I depend
2: on you to keep the oxygen flowing over here. When you don't remember me, I get to Uh, start to worry. worry. Hmm, What's next (laughs) here? What's next? Am I going to be living on nitrous oxide and... Helium over here.
1: He's in the Pennsylvania Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Uh, formerly Not Hall of Fame, Hall, Hall of, of, fame. of Fame. Pennsylvania Emergency <laughs> Communications Committee, former vice president or current vice president? No, I'm the former chairman of the okay, committee great. Former former prior to my to came, retirement. Currently vice president of the State Mayor's Association. Uh, Pima put him in charge of pandemics, which was poor choice this year. Uh, let's see, what else? CSVT task force chair. I have uh, never been in charge of pandemics. St- still on charge. Oh, no, earthquakes. Yeah, that's uh, Misspelling, uh, Pennsylvania Bar Association Judicial Review Committee, and you're still on that. Uh, when they need me, I'm there. Okay, super. Okay, well, uh, and uh, like they call them at home, old and in the way. So we That's appreciate him right. coming, <laughs> coming, coming all coming along uh, on the Marcus sponsor. Usually, it has to
2: do with something, some sort of a pain.
1: <laughs> well, that's
2: another topic.
1: Yes, it On is. On the market, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565- you, you can eat right over there. <laughs> yes, you can. Maybe be, you need some of my oxygen. I, I don't want to laugh. Uh, I have to get serious here. Email us at onthemarket.koki.com and you can text us at 70236. We invite you to visit sunburymotors.com, see the entire Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, and pre owned inventory. Select your perfect vehicle and purchase it online right from your home. Uh, they do sell those particular brands, but they have pre owned vehicles that are in literally perfect condition. Uh, just a few. Years old with a few miles on them, but they've been perfectified and are in ready to go. To buying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm pushing, uh, the- pushing <laughs> random buttons here.
2: Sorry, I'm worried about you, Mark. I think you're definitely having a cognitive meltdown. <laughs> you're rather Joe Biden like over there today. I'm enjoying an impairment, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm slowing down. Maybe you're impairing an enjoyment for some people. I <laughs> you <Yeah>, you did, <laughs> and in the way. Only one of us
1: is making <laughs> random mistakes today, so and it's not Joe. All right, anyway, they're a premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks, too. They invite you to go to the quick lane where they'll pump you up with nitrogen, align your vehicle, paint your vehicle, fix your vehicle, get the parts that it needs, and pump you up. Did I mention that? And uh, they can tow anything. So the Sunbury Motor Company just could not be more comprehensive. So they would just love for you to take advantage of their wonderful services and uh, go to the Sunbury Motor Company. First, a tragedy. State police say there was an apparent drowning of a toddler in Turbotville Tuesday afternoon. Troopers say it happened between noon and 2 p.m. along Main Street. The toddler, whose name and age they don't disclose, died yesterday. The child's mother and her boyfriend were sleeping. The toddler apparently, again, uh, state police telling us this, toddler apparently walked out of their home, went to a neighbor's pool to fill a bottle that's used to fill a toy. The child apparently fell into the pool and drowned. Troopers say efforts to revive the child at the scene in the hospital were unsuccessful. The uh, neighbor's pool was locked but the child got in somehow anyway uh, no other details are the, being disclosed by state or police. COVID testing supplies insurance and reimbursements are the issues for rural hospitals particularly evangelical community hospital. Uh, U.S. Congressman Fred Keller participating in a roundtable discussion yesterday about this advocating for more reimbursements since telemedicine is becoming more common. I think will be very helpful to making
0: sure that
6: uh, people in rural Pennsylvania get the care they need if if they're not unable to get to the doctor or the hospital.
1: The first round of CARES Act funding did have $75 billion for hospitals, and that has helped Evangelical Communities Hospital, but they have uh, more unmet needs uh, to be taken care of there. A woman was flown to the hospital after a wreck yesterday in Tharptown, Robin Koza of Cole Township in serious condition today at Geisinger. 61 new COVID-19 cases have popped up in the Valley. There have been previous days when we had six cases. Now we have 61, 32 of them in Northumberland County. About half of those at the Milton Nursing Rehabilitation Center. Union County has two dozen cases, uh, new ones, none of which are at the Lewisburg Penitentiary. They're all community-wide. Snyder County has three new cases. Uh, Montour County has two new cases. Uh, statewide, 828 new cases of COVID-19. Geisinger President and CEO Jaywan Rue uh, says uh, he has unanswered questions about one of the vaccines being tested at oxford
6: i think the big question that will still need to be determined is to the extent the vaccines we find effective ones that spark a immune response how long does that immunity last how strong is that immunity
1: The Oxford trial began in April and involved more than 1,000 health volunteers there. Republican state lawmakers in Harrisburg say they want to give parents more power to let their children repeat this school year if they feel their kid missed out on schooling or athletics because of the pandemic. Representative Jesse Topper, a Fulton County Republican, said Monday that his forthcoming legislation applies equally to parents motivated by education or athletic companion legislation being introduced uh, in the Senate. And President Donald Trump says he was a little surprised that his Democratic rival Joe Biden selected Kamala Harris as his running mate. Trump told reporters at the White House briefing that Harris was very disrespectful to Joe Biden and uh, during the Democratic primaries and said it's hard to pick somebody that re- disrespectful. <laughs> Which I just think is strangely ironic since he is the most uh, disrespectful. Didn't he
2: insult every Republican fact, he- on the stage with him when He'll he was run running, had Earth. nicknames
1: for all of them. Strange. But, of course, uh, as one who but, you know, Harris, is one, you'd easily recognize it.
2: Harris did point out his uh, Biden's abysmal record of supporting um, congressmen and senators who were very much involved in the Jim Crow era. He worked with them, supported them. Joe, could you name 20 things that aren't ideal in Kamala
1: Harris's background and, and past?
2: Well, I, I can name Given you a few research. things that are going to give right. her some problem. One of the fact is that she she doesn't seem to have any firm opinions. As someone said, when is the cement going to dry on her opinions? Because it, it hasn't dried. She flip-flops. She and Joe are flip-flops so much they're going to be banging into each other doing contortions on the stage. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're not ideal candidates in your view. Well, the president isn't ideal either. So, exactly. I mean,
1: I just think the whole election's a wash. We might as well happen now. Nobody's going to change their opinion. I guess it is possible Kamala Harris brings some supporters with her that maybe weren't, or that, you know, might have gone to a third party again in it. But there's nobody who's undecided, goes because Kamala Harris joins and was going to maybe go for Joe Biden instead. It just doesn't work. This well, they, election could be held today. Everybody's already decided. They
2: talked about Harris being such a driven person that they said that, that her first act, if she is elected vice president, will be to try and start shoving joe biden out of the way so she can be president she apparently is a very driven individual (laughs) to take over well there's nothing wrong with that either that would be fine i think she'd be a better
1: president personally
3: did you hear on cbs news uh in the eight o'clock hour that uh president trump actually uh supported the campaign of kamala harris i think it was in
2: 12 and 13. he donated six thousand dollars to her run for attorney general in california Yeah, well, it just goes to show he supports good candidates when he thinks they're good, and maybe she supports. was a good, she was a good attorney general. She prosecuted people. She went after parents who didn't send their kids to school. But all that stuff now, she's not in favor of. She's you know we're going the other way now. We're going to support the rioters and we're going to defund the police. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> it, it, don't say
1: anything else the rest of the show unless it's true. How about that? Okay? I'm, I'm speaking the truth. Oh, yeah. You okay. need to hear it. <laughs> well, I, I, if I were to hear it, my ears would perk up.
2: No argument there. Now you, your ears are so clogged with liberal beans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> beans. I love that. it. That, that's not what you sometimes say. Cu- cu- no, I know it is. I'm trying to clean I, it up I for appreci- this program. <laughs> appreciate that. All right. The man, of course, this is from the man who wears Fox Funnels around House. Uh, Bobby, thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. We are talking about Kamala Harris and uh, whatever shortcomings Joe perceives. I think she's a fabulous candidate in every way. What's your view on Kamala Harris? It's
2: for calling to speak about okay, Dr. DeRocco. Okay,
4: I, I I say when you're looking at uh, you know trying to uh, uh, get uh, voters from I'm going to say different different backgrounds, uh, you know I think she's I I think she's a good choice.
1: All right, fabulous. And, uh, thank you so much. Anything yeah, else? I mean,
4: it's not, I don't know, you know, who do you pick in today's society, you know, when you're, uh, I'm going to say, trying to please everyone in the political arena, but yet at the same time, you have to come through a compromise.
1: All right, we got you. Thank you so much. Yeah, well said. Uh, that's going to be important for her. Uh, Eric, next up, we're talking about Kamala Harris.
6: Good morning, gentlemen, and thank you for taking my call. Unsubstantiated reports out of Philadelphia last night indicated that a a voter was accosted by a gentleman with a pistol and the gentleman put the gun to the voter's head and said who you for trump pence or biden harris and the voter said what don't you want my money he said trump pence or biden harris and the voter thought for a minute and said go ahead and shoot
2: all right, very funny. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Having said that, gentlemen, yes, display or defray whatever. Um, I thought it's very interesting that the president, upon hearing that uh, that Kamala Harris is is the um, uh, presumptive vice presidential candidate, uh, immediately attacked her and called her nasty, and couldn't figure out how someone that disrespectful could be chosen. Disrespectful. In President Trump's mind Obviously meaning someone who would disagree With the President or in this case The Vice President Um, Looking back on history as I tried to do uh, I recall uh, uh, When Sarah Palin was The Republican uh, Vice presidential candidate and as I recall The only uh, If you want to call it disrespectful uh, Moniker the Democrats put on her Was she was unqualified Which I still believe she was uh, I would think we have to admit that uh, Kamala Harris is very qualified to be a, a president, to ascend the presidency if that would happen, uh, being on the uh, Foreign Relations Committee, the Judiciary Committee, also a senator of some standing in the Senate. Uh, Joe, it would be interesting to hear your comment. <laughs>
2: I I don't have any problem with her as a capable person. My problem with her is that she doesn't seem to have any fixed ideals. They seem to be very mutable. They can move around. Whatever the political wind is blowing, there she is. And that's not unlike Joe Biden, who's also modified his views. I mean, love Trump or hate him, he doesn't really change his basic core principles these days. I admit he once was a Democrat, now he's a Republican, but let's say (laughs) in today's (laughs) world...
6: uh, Kamala Harris yeah. and her, thought she was a great candidate for the uh, for District attorney general. Attorney, yeah. No, no,
2: attorney general. She he sorry, supported attorney her for general, attorney sorry, general of California, and, general, and she, general, yes. as far as I'm I could if tell, he had
6: some sort of case before her or something. That's why he put the money in there.
2: Well, then you're saying she can be bribed. Now I'm worried about no, you. No, I'm
6: <laughs> saying that the the then then Donald Trump thought she could be bribed, which would go right along with probably what he thought.
2: Okay, well, I, I don't have a <laughs> problem with her as a as a uh, qualified individual. I do worry about her uh, willingness to change and flip-flop her positions, you know, so it's hard to get a feel on exactly what it is she believes. I mean, one minute, she came down pretty hard on Joe Biden, called him out for his abysmal record on, uh, on race relations back in the early days when he was supporting Strom Thurmond and guys like that, um, you know, so... She obviously felt that he had some serious, what, problems with race to call him well, out like that? Well, obviously
6: having chosen her as his running mate indicates his willingness to, to rethink things and to change that. Uh, and true, as a politician yourself, Joe, isn't your, your vice president, your second-in-command, isn't one of the things you want them to be malleable to what your agenda is and not put forth-, forth the own agenda?
2: That is tri- typically what marks a good vice president, the fact that they sub- submerge their own goals and ambitions to those of the president and become, in effect, I don't want to say a toady, but that's basically well, sure. what vice presidents have become. Look at Pence. He used to work for honest people only, and <laughs> now look at him. <laughs> Oh, is there no end to you, Mark? (laughs) Please, let there be an end to you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about if you take three days off? All right, right. (laughs)
1: we'll give you the last word, here. Yeah, go ahead, Eric.
2: Uh,
6: I'm going to leave now, and okay. according to Joe, I guess I'm going to go eat my liberal beans. No. So, uh, <laughs> have
2: some, have some sauce with him. So, uh,
6: mm. Thank you for the opportunity to comment, gentlemen. Hey. As, uh, our day one uh, shot's across the bow of the uh, new,
2: t- new Democratic ticket. Always a pleasure to have you on the call, Eric. Thanks a lot. Enjoy. Appreciate that. Thank
1: All right. 1-800-795-9565. We are enjoying a, a, an open day, so we'll take a quickie break. When we come back, uh, we got a caller who's not uh, as happy as he was a couple of days ago and he's going to explain why. Then we'll get back to Kamala Harris and the vice presidential uh, selection uh, here and the presidential race. We invite you to call us. There's one open line left. You can occupy it at 1-800-795-9565. No brand new emails today. Those are sent to on the market, at and uh, no new texts today,
5: 70236.
2: We have one quick comment here before we move on. Uh, This is from one of our texters, and it's about Kamala Harris. Says, guess she passed the sniff test. Have they even told Joe yet? (laughs) That's grossly funny, though, I like that. (laughs) Nicely said.
1: All right, Carl, you're on the mark, go right ahead.
7: Good morning, gentlemen. I was on my way to my church camp this morning about 6 a.m., and I heard that the governor canceled the 9-11 Memorial motorcycle ride. And uh, in my list of favorite days, that is one of my most favorite days of the year. And I just want to encourage every biker out there, even though there's no permits, there's no organization sponsoring it this year, let's ride, let's roll, uh, let's show this governor that we're not gonna be told what to do. I mean, we're outside, we're on our bikes, we are recognizing the fallen on 9-11, and this guy wants to tell us we can't do it. Yeah, who does he think he is?
1: I think what he wanted to do was he was afraid there would be low attendance. So what he said is that it's prohibited. So therefore, everybody in Pennsylvania with a motorcycle is going to go anyway. And
7: I hope so. <laughs> I will be there, you know, and I hope every, you know, we had probably last year six 7,000 bikes. Uh, I I hope it's 25,000. Where is this year. in this, Harrisburg? No, no, this is up in uh, Clinton, the Clinton Township up in Lycoming County. I gotcha. So on okay. 9-11, this, this will be the 19th annual ride. Uh, it's a great day of, you know, recognizing. It's, it's not a day of celebration. It's a day of recognition for those that gave their lives at 9-11. And for him to tell us, bikers, that we can't ride. Mm-hmm. I, I just hope 10 times more bikers show up than normal. I think he
1: just guaranteed it. So. Isn't
2: there a safer way to honor the memory of those victims than, you know, having a motorcycle ride in the middle of a pandemic just out of curiosity? Oh, brother. <laughs> All right, you like, don't have to answer that.
7: No, you sound like, you sound like Mark.
2: <laughs> I, somebody has to take the be- liberal beans are falling out of his ears. I had to pick them up. No, I'm just curious. <laughs> why, why, why is it so important that, that this particular event be held?
7: Well, I think it's important that all events are held. I think this cancel culture that we're in is detrimental to every organization. Uh, they're just taking away uh, the things that we enjoy doing and we want to do. And this is, this is just the way the bikers of central Pennsylvania decided you know, 19 years ago they're going to honor these guys. You know, There's all different ways to honor people. This is just our way of doing it.
2: And it sounds and like a wait, wait. harmless way to me. I mean, I'll admit it doesn't seem like something that needs to be canceled. But
7: Yeah, and, and what's safer than being out on your motorcycle? Come on.
2: Well, I don't know. This time of year I hear a lot of tragic motorcycle accidents, so I worry well, about okay. your safety.
7: So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about with the whole COVID thing. You know, we're out right. there riding. Uh, so I, I just hope. Yeah, like I said, every biker out there, that if you weren't planning on coming, I hope you show up. Is this
2: rain or shine, or is this uh, just oh, in yeah. good weather? This, on,
7: this is rain or shine. Actually, there's a video you can look at on YouTube of the ride in the rain, and it's not just for the bikers. There are thousands and thousands of people that stand along that 42-mile route and show their respect with their flags and just being out there. But yeah, if you go on YouTube, there's a video of the ride during the rain. Okay. And thousands of bikes. So it, we're we're not uh, air weather riders.
1: All right, thanks. Well, you so I much. doubt
2: the governor will be out there with a standing in front of you with his mask on, yelling stop. So have a good time. <laughs>
7: Thank you. Right. I wish
2: I wish he, I wish he would stand in front of us. She's <laughs> oh, here. We go. Flat as a
1: pancake. All right. Uh, upper right hand corner, and then the call
2: says the most interesting quote from yesterday's press conference was the president of the United States talking about the Spanish flu epidemic of 1917, actually 1918, saying that it brought World War II to an end, probably because of many soldiers got sick. Talk to me about mental decline. Also remember that uh, World War One was fought during right. that period. Right. Oh, <laughs> I
1: get the, all of this. this I didn't fun.
2: hear him say that, so I I'm assuming it. that our writer is correct. I didn't hear it. Also, remember that Trump also was adamantly pro cho- pro-choice pro back in the day. Okay. Did the flu help? No, the
1: World War I would have been over by then.
2: Uh, 18. No, actually, in 1918, it was still going on, I'm pretty sure. There were troops who were—some of the troops were sent overseas and had a serious problem with the, the flu. Oh, okay. I mean, it was involved at that time. I think—I'm trying to remember when it ended the armistice. I think it was November of 1918. Okay. All right. Well, if Joe says it— I may be wrong. You, World you, War I is not my declined, area of specialty. But Your <laughs> recollection
1: of wars and presidents is uncanny. Uh, Lance, you are on the mark. We are talking about Kamala Harris. Thank you so much for weighing in on this today.
8: Oh, yeah, you bet. Well, you know, what wonders me about her is the fact that she is a uh, practicing Hindu.
1: Oh, really? Who knew?
8: Yeah, the Hindu idea, the whole fiber of the Hindu ideas is a caste system, which is totally anathema to the American one, is it not? And that's probably why she has such a superior attitude when you hear her talk, is she thinks she's in the cast here. And
1: she's in the upper class. Yeah. And
8: mm. It does. It does kind of. And when she was sworn in, she wouldn't do it, of course, on a Bible. It was on the Bill of Rights, not California.
1: Well, I think uh, I, I don't think that's going to deter anyone's vote.
8: I think. Oh no, no, no. Well, here she's also a, a terrific multitasker. At one time out there, and she had like three jobs at once: um, the medical assistance commission at ninety-nine grand a year, the unemployment insurance appeals board paid around one hundred and fourteen, and at the time her full-time job was working as a county employee making a hundred thousand dollars. Along Please. the way, man, she they give her a, a new BMW. Now, I'm sure that was one merit, and not the fact that she was old man Brown's uh, paramour. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're talking about Mayor Willie Brown of Los Angeles, right?
8: Yeah, yeah, Willie Brown, yeah. And uh, it uh, just seems...
2: Uh, oh, so you're, you're not going to vote for her, in other words? Actually, when she was sworn into the Senate, she was sworn in on a Bible. Her husband, <laughs> her husband held a long-kept fa- long family Bible.
8: That was in California.
2: No, that's when she was sworn in as the United States Senator from California. Well, she would have been
1: sworn in two times. Are you sworn in the second time? She was reelected. Do you actually get a swearing in when you keep in office?
8: Okay. Well, I only got to the part where she was in California, so... That's it. I apologize for that. that I thought that maybe she would. Well, it
1: doesn't matter. You're not going to vote for her, and uh, there's almost nothing that uh, would convince you to vote for her, (laughs) and you have your candidate.
8: All she had to do was change her uh, ideas about abortion and guns. uh, (laughs) Death sentence and every other thing. But other than that. Her ideas about the police, you know, military hater and all that, hmm. and I probably would. In other words, you turned into Sarah Palin, I'd be in good shape. Well, you are not
1: going to convince anyone to vote for her either. So with those kind of comments, (laughs) we're taking you off the Biden team. All right. Thank you so much, Lance. Really always appreciated. Glad to hear. Take care, Lance. Uh, Dan, next up on On the Mark. Last caller before a quickie break. You're On the Mark.
9: Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Why? I almost fell off my rocking chair sitting here, my hair flew up on end when you said there was two flawed candidates. I agree, we have one flawed candidate gonna run, but Trump, every promise he made, he tries to keep, and a lot of them he did keep. We know exactly where the president stands and what he stands for. And that's why he got elected. People believed that he would do what he promised to do. And so far, he's done most of them. The swamp is still awful deep, and they're out to get him. The swamp has not been drained, and it's terrible. And that's the enemy to Trump. Well, I and, think
1: he's accomplished most of what he wanted to do. What did uh, name one thing he promised to do that he hasn't done? I mean, he worked on the
9: wall; he didn't get well, that finished. the the, only, the one thing he promised to drain. eradicate
2: the national debt or really start paying down well, the national and debt. Well, fix health care. You in eight cares. years, he hasn't done way. that. He hasn't even put forth a health care plan. So, right. and I'm sorry, right. I, I like what he has done, he, Dan, but he hasn't kept all his promises. But other than those minor. It's Those use. things aren't minor, if used.
9: <laughs> well, yeah, it's anyway. not. He couldn't do much with the national debt when the Demo- when they laid this COVID nineteen on him. He he couldn't. What could he do? He couldn't. He couldn't do much about it. He had to do what he had to do. He had to put his father in debt. I. He,
2: no, I but mean, that's only been this year, did. Dan. Dan, that's only been this year. The other three years of his term, he didn't work on any of those things. He didn't work on reducing the national debt. He didn't put forth a health care plan. Let's uh, be honest about it. it. He
9: was working on it. Okay. T- if this wouldn't have came about, I know he would have tried to get it down, and he would have actually worked on it.
4: But
2: he but didn't we all had he actually so worked on
9: to catch up. On.
2: All he actually worked on was trying to get rid of Obamacare, filing lawsuits against it and doing things like that. you know and there's an old political adage you can't beat something with nothing and that's apparently what he was trying to do. He wanted to get rid of what we had but didn't have anything to replace it. That doesn't that's fly the, with common sense.
9: That, it flies because his, his colleagues claimed they had a plan. And they didn't have a plan at all. They lied about it. They they wanted to get rid of Obamacare. They said they had a plan. They didn't have a plan. Well, this they left part's true. Trump flat footed.
2: Well, you no, Mark left left says him. it
9: wasn't his fault. Mark always they left says him flat-footed.
2: <laughs> Mark always says I have fox funnels in my ear. I think you have ear trumpets.
9: Oh, jeez. No, it's crazy so to wrong. He's the first president that ever kept these promises the best he could. Uh, these circumstances aren't normal. No,
2: they're not.
9: And they, this is their final blow to get Trump COVID-19. And it's not going to work out here in God's country. I don't hardly see many Biden signs. I see great big... Trump signs all over. People out here in common sense country realize that they're being duped by the Democratic left wing party. They they hate Trump that bad that they'll do anything to get him out. And Joe, a person like you, intelligent man, you should see through this whole thing. <laughs> You should see what they're doing to Trump. Look, Instead Dan, of, I,
2: I understand that Trump has been the victim of a lot of unfairness, and I agree with you completely that he has not been treated fairly by the media or by a lot of other people, some of, which he, some of which he brings on himself. But I'm also a realist, Dan, and the guy doesn't walk on water. He's done some things that are very good, and he's done some things. He's ignored some things that he promised he would do. He's just walked away from them. And if I think if he if he had come out with a health care plan that uh, talked about, what is it, uh, maintaining uh, pre-existing conditions and some of the things about Obamacare that we liked, I'd be giving the guy a, a 95% mark. As it is, I give him about 75%. But I think if Joe Biden or if Hillary Clinton had been elected president, I'd probably want to give her about a 42%. right. Thank you so much, Dan. Really great if call. You, Fabulous. You guys have a great one. You too, Dan. Take care, yep. buddy. Bye.
3: All right. Wait. I have some fact checking I was doing. Uh, uh, I was curious. Uh, our caller who talked about Kamala Harris's faith, as you uh, have mentioned before, Hindu. Yeah. Um, she actually, her parents. Uh, her mother was Hindu. Her father was a Baptist, <laughs> and so she was brought up um, in both faiths. And uh, according to my research, um, she is a practicing Baptist, um, and her husband is Jewish. Oh, wow, Multi-
1: multi-faith. Yeah. I appreciate that. Very ecumenical. All right, great to know. Well, thank you so much, Chad Hersberger, our fabulous producer. Could not be more fabulous, sir. Uh, well, well, maybe. That's what maybe
2: you always could. say about Rob, too. I think I think you're a very fickle man. Well, you know?
3: everybody <laughs> works up to their capabilities. And I'm capable. <laughs> right. Yes, you are. <laughs> Quite. Which is the only, only requirement for this job. So.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll we have to get Mark Stevens in there tomorrow. He's, he's going to be our producer. And then uh, uh, Matt Catrillo on Friday producer. Well, so, I won't be here to see that. <laughs> so the bench is uh, deep and uh, narrow. Alright, we're going to take a quickie break. we got callers ready. we got uh, an email ready related to schools. No text, so fill up the text bin at 70236. You can send more emails at onthemarkatwkok.com and fill up the remaining lines at 1-800-795-9565.
10: There's still a lot of summer left, but time is running out to save on a new Kia from Sunbury Motors Kia. It's the Summer Sticker Sales Event at Sunbury Motors Kia. But you have to hurry in before these deals fade away like the summer sun. Sunbury Motors Kia offers you the low-price promise on every new Kia on the lot. Just listen: it. 2020 Kia Serratos with up to $7,200 off. As low as $23,998. 2020 Kia Sportages with up to four dollars off. Starting at just $22,793. Plus, Sunbury Motors Kia will give you top trade in value for your current vehicle. Bring your trade, look for a sticker, and save. Remember, every new Kia comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. The Summer Sticker Sales Event at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Savings include all applicable discounts and rebates, including Sunbury Motors Kia discounts. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see dealer or go to kia.com.
1: Welcome back Double to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, All right, we've got callers standing by, and they've been super-duper patient, so we'll go right to them. If you'd like to join them in queue, one 800 795 Al, you're on the mark.
11: Well, when, uh, good morning. When President Trump was first elected, he uh, made a great big meeting, and they made a fiasco out of it and walked out, Pelosi walked out, but he uh, wanted to... For border wall, he was going to give them a weighted citizenship for the DACA kids and change for the border wall. And he was going to reform health care, and he was going to keep the the, uh, pre-existing condition you had to be covered. And he wanted to put it on the open market to save us some money because that was out of touch. And then he said about getting rid of the regulations and... uh, He had one other thing, but I can't think of it, but I remember that meeting, and there was three big things, and I thought, boy, if they went along with this, this would be a good start. But it started out wrong, and he's been battling the swamp ever since he got there. And even, like I told you before, guys like Lindsey Graham are sucking up because of their past didos and things they have in their past, and uh, Mitch McConnell and He's married to the Chinese lady that's shipping China's weapons and stuff.
2: Dido's? What's a dido? What's a dido?
11: Uh, they're behind-the-scenes deals that they made so they could become millionaires like all of them in, in
2: uh... Never heard that
1: government. word. Hmm, okay. <laughs> okay. Good to know.
11: <laughs> and you heard of Goody Two-Shoes, though. Yeah, that, that I've heard another one.
1: <laughs> gotcha. That I've heard of. <laughs> okay.
11: And, uh... I think the cure that we're doing here for COVID is worse than uh, the disease itself.
1: We don't have a cure.
11: Well, yeah, what we're trying to do. I mean, the precautions we're taking is worse than the disease. So the cure is worse than the disease, or whatever they're trying to do. And aren't all school employees essential, too, like the rest of the employees they said were essential?
2: We, but it's not you essential know, to send we our kids to school, jobs, if that's what you're...
11: essential jobs. Aren't mm-hmm. teachers... Aren't they essential?
2: Teachers, yes, they're essential, in oh. my opinion.
11: Yep. And aren't the parents' jobs essential?
2: Certainly are, as far as I'm concerned. Okay.
11: And it'd be very hard to say one week, uh, i got to stay home with my kids, and next week I can come to work again, because the schools are going to open. But... 2 weeks after that they're going to close again. How would anybody be able to plan a job?
2: Well, that's part of the dilemma of this whole situation, you know. Uh, that's why yeah, I asked Dr. Doraco about the balance. How do you how do you say I'm going to do this first or this is more important than that? How keeping yeah, the kids safe versus like keeping that, the parents safe?
11: If you're a doctor you talk like this and say, "Well, there's going to be risk and everything else." But there's risk in everything we do. And they're taking our liberties away a little bit at a time, and they're making us wear these masks. And people are going to have to wake up because you—I mean, Tommy Tommy, our governor.
2: Oh, uh, I H. like Disco. that, Commie Tommy. Okay.
11: Commie <laughs> Tommy, King, King Thomas, Kami Tommy, Tommy. So whatever you, you you're call. an
2: anti-masker, I gather, Al?
11: No, no, I will wear a mask. If I appreciate the the look of it, you know. Uh, it makes everybody else feel a little better. I wear my mask like a good little boy, um, and you know I don't see anything so, wrong with that.
7: But you're one, of the, uh, you're one
11: we, of the. You're one of the sheeple it right in a lot of areas. We are uh, doing right in a lot of areas. Like uh, doesn't that Al, here.
2: Doesn't that make you one of the sheeple? So uh, where you?
11: <laughs> well, you got to beware of us sheep.
2: Okay. Yeah, very so,
1: every so often it's a wolf wearing a sheep's, sheep's clothing. Co- clothing. That sounds yeah, like yeah, Al. Wear that. A wolf in sheep's clothing. There we go. All right, we That's got you. Thank you so that. much,
2: Al. Thanks, Al. Always a pleasure, sir. Yep. Take care. Appreciate that, uh, Eric. Next up on on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Another minute of fame.
6: <laughs> a brief drop in, gentlemen. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm a little disappointed with you guys this morning. Uh, we, you all had history. Uh, World War One ended November 11th, 1918.
2: I said it ended in November of 1918. Yeah, but you should
6: remember November 11th because November 11th is what?
2: It's a uh, Armistice Day.
6: Exactly, exactly. It's so Armistice Day, which then became Veterans Day after World War Two, right. because actually the Armistice of World War One was not the war to war to end all wars, which was was portrayed. So my point is this: uh, we all need to study history, and I would encourage everyone out there uh, to remember what happened in. Uh, um, 2016 when a lot of folks didn't vote because they thought it was in the bag. Nothing's in the bag. So however you want to vote, remember to get out and vote.
2: All right. Well said. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Uh, And I think the operative words were, and I'm glad he said it, get out and vote. Not mail in your vote. Get out and vote. All right, everybody. I'm glad to see that Eric supports me on in-person voting.
1: Mail in and vote. Do so safely. Don't put people at the polls at risk if you don't need to. Ask your county soon for your mail-in ballot. Well, Eric and I disagree with you. Mm. 1-800-795-9565. I would presume that there are many people out there with precisely that sentiment. Feel free to Call me now. one eight 795 Don't call
2: me because I disagree with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why? Yeah, Joe's disagreeable. Uh, he's miserable today. one 800 795 One of our listeners, Joe, upper right-hand corner.
2: Yes, uh, our pal Tom says, Listening to Dan and Joe is like listening to Abbott and Costello. Who's on first routine? <laughs> yeah, well, you're Jerry Lewis, buddy. <laughs> yeah. uh, Doesn't
1: like anything. Okay. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Ernie, thank you so much for calling in. Super glad to hear from you. You're on the mark.
12: Yes, good morning. Um I you know, I've been hearing you you guys talking and stuff, you know, the election and everything and uh I look at it like this. Yes, it's it's to me it's a no brainer. You know, if you want socialism, open borders, higher taxes, uh getting rid of your guns I can go on and on well then you vote for Biden if you want law, a law and order president and <laughs> to get the economy going again which he had it going great early you know before the virus uh, you vote for Trump which I will be voting for Donald Trump and uh, to me it's a no-brainer uh, you know oh you know the democrats they want to get rid of fracking but you know tell people in pennsylvania coal miners and out in ohio that they're going to be losing their jobs and before i hang up uh joe i think mentioned about uh president trump he made a comment about him walking on water i have a little joke for you okay (laughs) The. Uh, President Trump and the Pope was out on a boat and a gust of wind came and blew his little, I call it a beanie, off of his head into the water and Secret Service, they were scurrying around saying, what should we do, what should we do? And President Trump says, I got this. He walked right out, out across the water, picked it up and brought it back in. So the Democrats blamed him for not being able to swim.
1: That's
2: funny. But
12: anyway, you guys have a good day. I just thought I'd uh, get my two cents in.
2: No, we always welcome a clean joke, too, Ernie. Thank you. (laughs) Oh yeah. Take care. Take care. Yeah, your, uh, your, one of your favorite past pastors, Ted Keating,
1: had a walk-on-water joke saying Lou Holtz was at home one time, and I guess they had li- a house at a lake or something. He was at that house, and a reporter called to talk to Lou, and his, his wife answered. Lou well, Holtz's wife answered the phone and said, hold on, I'll get him. He's out walking on the lake <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, all right.
2: That sounds like Father Ted. That would be a Notre
1: yes, Dame joke. that's a good one. All right, uh, Frank, stand by. We're going to do this ASAP and then you're going on on the radio. Welcome back to the Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, 1-800-795-9565. We've got an open line, so we'll probably have
2: some time for that. Go ahead. One of our texters says, good morning. Anyone that thinks Democrats will take away guns are stupid, stupid, stupid. And above that, you can read that. said, getting out the vote also includes getting out to drop your mail-in ballot into your <laughs> mailbox. Love the dialogue. Signed, Eric. Get, get that vote out in time. <laughs> I, I agree with you there. Uh, Frank, you're on
1: the mark. Go right ahead.
13: Oh, I love the Alice Cooper intro. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they, they could have let that play. That was a great song back when I was in school. Run, it's right. it, it's going to apply
1: uh, next week. School's out still.
13: Yeah, I know. So my personal experience at Rush Township, there's Rush Town, the municipal building up there, for voter registry, the primary earlier in this year. For some reason, my name was not registered on, in the books when I went to, make, uh, to cast my vote. And... They pulled me aside. They said, let's go in the office. <laughs> the gentleman there called directly to the courthouse. They looked up my name. They found all my credentials, Social Security number, where I live, and uh, all of everything that was secure. And they said, you're going to receive your mail-in ballot in a couple of days. Make sure you fill out. Don't wait till the last week of October. And I'll just say that The system locally was absolutely thorough. I was impressed, and I kudos to them, and the average age of the people in that room were about 75 years old. (laughs) All of them wore masks. Everybody was taking the precautions, and uh, that's just a personal experience about uh, mail-in voting.
2: Just because because we're old doesn't mean we aren't capable.
13: (laughs) Right, but I'm just saying locally, I love that they checked all the facts, number signature too. Great. So, you know, uh, that places in my mind uh, absolute confidence in the system. I'm not saying that there's not uh, the ability for uh, voter fraud, but you know, just on a personal, local level, wow. Well, That's I, would, I want to say
2: I would Good. put a lot more faith in the ability of folks in Elysburg than I would in Chicago. That... <laughs> <laughs>
13: yeah, I can I see your point.
2: The dead, the dead vote I think routinely the there. in
13: America, people work every day really want to do a good job and that's that's the incentive in america i mean there's no country as great as this and uh we were great prior to every campaign in 2016 we will continue to be a good great country and uh yeah but we have to be americans
2: and we have to work at it and right. we have
13: to respect one another
2: i agree right. with you completely
13: all Take right. care. Except Thank for me so much.
2: Except for me and Mark cuz we 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 can't do this program with respect. Big plans this <laughs> weekend? Your 3-day <three-day> retiree weekend. <laughs> well, can I come back tomorrow? Tomorrow's Thursday. Oh, jeez, where's my brain? <laughs> well, you're having a rough day. I'll I tell am.
1: you uh, I'll <laughs> tell you what happened. Uh, it's those liberal myself, myself beans confide. Why not? <laughs> I overslept today and uh, I just didn't do anything I normally do at home. I just got up, went out the door and went to work, you know. So, uh, but I uh but, so I got here at the did, same did time I always Did you get I your 8 do. hours? Of sleep. Yeah, Yeah, probably, uh, (laughs) let's see, yeah, 10 o'clock to uh, uh, 5 o'clock, yeah. So I got here at the same time. No, it's not eight hours. It's only seven. But anyway, I, I only need seven, so...
2: Well, I'm glad you're able to do survive on that amount of sleep. All right. Well, enough about so, that. But considering the fact that you made so many errors today, I would say you need, need that I'm extra off my hour. Game, I'm out of sorts.
3: <laughs> so is this the? You, you once told me that you have what one or two days a year that that happens to you. So is this the one or two days? Yes. Year? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. And I always wake up in a, a timely fashion that it, the audience doesn't really know. I mean, until I start making tiny yeah, mistakes. I didn't, I didn't
3: want to mention, but uh, at the top of the show, you called this uh, WKOK Sunrise. So. Oh, did. Yeah. <laughs> mr <laughs> pete
2: yeah you know and you need alexa you, a very annoying alarm you just say alexa set the alarm for 450 a.m or yeah. 550 350 a.m in my case and it goes off and it makes a heck of a racket well my dilemma <laughs> is i got up
1: on t- a time you know like a little after four and that's normal but i instead of hitting the
2: snooze button i hit the off button and so oh that
0: I, I did that on monday
1: you
2: never snooze when the alarm goes off, get up. That's well, the whole point of the alarm. To you. <laughs> that's a Republican <laughs> Fox ideal. I can't live like that. I do. I when the alarm goes off, I get up. What time do you get up if you don't set an alarm? Well, I my after a certain period of time, your body is accustomed to getting up at a certain time and you just get up at that time. I get up at 3:50 a.m. 3:58, okay. That gives me time to read the, my morning newspapers, get prepared for this show and go to the gym. So that's my day. And you?
3: Uh, I'm more of a 6.30, quarter of 7 guy. Yeah, I'm a 6. I'm, I used to be a 5, but now I'm a 6. Thank you so much, Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> I'll ask Hope
1: you're in better you shape. A, a weekend. weekend. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chad. Great job this week. Really, Thank really appreciate it. This is This is K Sunbury.